Welcome to the More Sense Than Dollars podcast. We're your hosts, Nick and Harry. Hey, everybody. We're back. How you doing, Nick? Doing well. Again, excited to be back. Episode 38 is sort of a follow-up or a sequel to way back on episode one when we first talked about the stock market. We're finally getting around to, I don't know, I guess more advanced or like the next level of things. Um, yeah, we're pulling, we're pulling a Disney and, and we're releasing remastered episodes now. Yeah, this is some of the things about sequels. buying stock that we did not cover in episode one that are useful to know if you're actually buying stock. So that's what this yeah, episode is. We've, we've covered be about. a lot of the we've covered a lot of the meat and potatoes. And it's time to get into a little more of the uh nitty gritty. You know, still stuff that's easily but. digestible, twenty, twenty five minute chunks, but we've covered a lot of the basics. So yep. and you're as listeners, you're all much smarter, much more uh advanced and ready for the next level of things. So let's get into this one. Um before we do Financial highs and lows. What do you got? So my high is that for the first time in four years, I was, um, you know, in my hometown at my parents for Thanksgiving, which meant that I wasn't cooking the entire Thanksgiving dinner for myself. That's nice. And I learned, um, you know, I learned firsthand four years ago or so how expensive cooking an entire Thanksgiving meal for yourself actually is. Um, gave me a new appreciation for the the big dinners or lunch or whatever that I always had um, at home growing up. And so that was nice. You know, it's a little uh, nice to save some of that money before we get into the Christmas season. Nice. What about and low? And then my low is that I got my first full month of um, my first full month of electricity bill and quite a bit higher. I guess I could have done the math from the first like partial one because I moved in like mid-cycle. But realized that electricity here is quite a bit more expensive than it was in Portland. And so feeling feeling a little bit of a crunch there. But yeah. just going to have to update the budget a bit. New York prices. Yeah. What about you? Uh, let's see. High is uh, the interest rate on my savings account went up. So that's cool. Ally throwing a little bone. I guess oh, like I, thought, I thought you were just talking like Yoda there. <laughs> high is the interest rate on my bacon <laughs> it went up a little bit it's like three percent now so i don't know it's something it's not keeping up with inflation but it's something um low is actually that i feel i did not fully capitalize on black friday and cyber monday i should have I, I didn't prepare like what christmas gifts i wanted to get for people and so then I saw all these sales and I wasn't sure exactly what to get. So I missed out on a lot. Mm. And once I thought about it, I went back uh, and say, oh, I should have got this for this person and everything cost a lot more. So I missed out on some sales. I guess the silver lining is that I didn't buy a lot of things I didn't need. I didn't need. So yeah. Yeah. That's that's, good. I mean, I feel like the, people tend to buy more than they were going to anyway when yeah. you start getting into cool. the sales. So. All right, so this episode is going to be about what you see in your app or on your you know, desktop, whatever, when you're actually buying a stock. 
We talked about how to get those apps, um, how to get a brokerage in episode one. If you didn't hear episode one, go back to that one. That's uh, sort of a precursor to this. But when you go and say, I want five shares of Ford or Apple or something, you're going to have to answer some questions or pick some drop downs. Um, and what are a few, so what are a few of the things you're going to see when you go to, you put in the number of shares yeah, you want? Right. You're, you're, you're placing an order, but there's not just one way to, or not one type of order to place. Mm-hmm. So a few of the different order types are market orders, mm-hmm. limit orders, and stop orders. Yeah. So, those are the big ones you'll see. Yeah. You can get a little crazier. There's more advanced types and that, that might come you know, another 30 episodes from now when we're ready to dive a little deeper. But do you want to get into the first one, market orders? Yeah. So this is, I guess it's the most straightforward. It's probably, if you don't, if you don't change anything, it's probably defaulting to this type of order, which is whatever the current market price is of that stock, you will buy it or sell it at that price. So pros and cons to that. It's going to happen at whatever the next available price is. Uh, if that drops way below what you thought you were going to sell it at, it will get executed at that price. Uh, or if the if you're buying and the price goes way up within a second of you placing order, then you're going to buy it for a lot more than you thought you were going to. Yeah, um, you're basically saying, I, I want to buy or sell this as fast as possible, no matter right. the price. And the, the assumption there is that the price is going to be kind of close to the last traded price, but that's not a guarantee. No. If you're not gambling, I mean, if you're not dealing with like uh, highly volatile stocks, you're probably okay. Like I, I use this a lot of the time. For the most part, you're fine. I look at it for a minute or two before I actually place trade to make sure there's not any huge swings, but... Uh, you're guaranteed that it will go through. You're just not guaranteed at what price it will go through. Yeah, I use this, for example, with my my monthly or twice a month Roth IRA contributions. It's a retirement account. I'm not planning on touching that money for decades. If the you know if I could have waited a couple minutes and maybe got a like half a percent better price yeah it's not making much of a change on the the grand scheme of things i just want to kind of set these scheduled transactions set it and forget it twice a month it's not making a big deal and the flip the sort of in conjunction with that in a retirement account you're generally purchasing very stable etfs Mm -hmm. there aren't they usually aren't or shouldn't be investing in these very volatile stocks in your retirement account. So for something like that, makes perfect sense to use a market order. Yeah, between the time you, you press um, or press buy or press sell, and what the the bid or ask is, um, you're not going to see much variation. So when shouldn't you use a market order? I think so. One we talked about is if it's a very volatile stock, like you see, you know, multiple dollar. Uh, swings or whatever uh, throughout the day. Another would be after hours. 
because mm -hmm. prices w can open at very different uh, numbers than they closed at. I mean, a, a stock price. So if uh, you place an order and it's going to execute as soon as that, if you place a market order after hours, it's going to execute as soon as the market opens and whatever the price is, it's going to buy it. So if it, yeah. if it changed a lot, you could be screwed. I think that's an important concept to grasp. And I, I just recently on, on one of the finance forums on Reddit saw some confusion about this where, um, you know, the price of a stock doesn't naturally or doesn't have to go through every dollar amount between two prices. So if like something, if some terrible news comes out about this company overnight or even early in the morning before trading starts, the price, you know, just making numbers up, could have been $80, could have been trading at $80 when it closed the day before. But when the market opens the day after, the most someone's willing to pay for that stock might be $40. Yeah. And if, if everyone have, says there's no way I'm paying 80, then that's the price is not 80. No. It's, right. And so if you have a market sell, you're going to, you know, you're going to lose out on the profit you were planning on getting or you're going to lose significantly more money than you were expecting. And again, flip side on the buy side, there could be really good news that comes out in between close and open. You pay and a big stock, premium, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you you're like, okay, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna get some of this stock at forty dollars a share, but it actually opens at eighty dollars a share. Mm -hmm. And if you were buying a specific number of shares, you're gonna have a much bigger bill than you were expecting. <laughs> so that's that's the market order. Like I said, if you go into the app and you click buy or sell, it's probably going to, they all default to, to market order. All right. So one of the other common order types is limit orders. And you can buy or sell with a, a limit. Um, some of the apps will give a little description, but I was looking at Robinhood's and like, because there's a little like question mark next to limit and it'll try to describe, but uh, I think we will do a better job of describing what these are than what I saw in there. So what do you what would you say is a uh, limit order if you are trying to buy something? Yeah, so if you're placing a limit order to buy, you are putting in the order with a specific price that you want to buy at. You're saying I am not going to pay any more than this price to buy this. And what that does is guarantee the price that your order is going to be filled at, but it doesn't guarantee that the order is going to be filled. So you might, you know, if you're say a stock is trading at 135 and you think that's a little expensive, I want to get some of the stock, but I think it's going to fall a little bit and I want to get in at a cheaper price. You place a limit order to buy at 130. And so as soon as the stock price falls below 130 and it hits your limit, you will place an order to buy at that price. And that stock may never hit that price. So exactly. It, it may never go that low again. And you're waiting and waiting and if the stock is climbing and it's 140, 150, 160, and you're still waiting for it to get down to 130. And now you've missed your chance to buy. But if you say what you said at the beginning which is i'm not willing to pay more than 130 i'd rather not own it at all then that's fine you did the right thing so yeah so that i think 
with limit orders, we're getting more into the realm of, of day trading or short-term trading because that slight variance in price isn't going to matter so much for a long-term buy and mm-hmm. hold investment. But if you want to make a, a quick profit or you, you have a specific strategy in mind where you think it's going to be at this price and this range on two different days and you, and you want to execute on that strategy, you might have a specific price you want to lock in at. And if it never hits it, you're saying, I'm just never going to get that stock and I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I've done this for stocks that are like, I consider nice to have, not need to have, where it's like, I, you know, I set a... If I'm trying to buy, I set something that's a little bit below whatever the current um, price is. And if it gets down there, great. I'd like to own it for that. If it never does, it's okay. I can redecide. Like, is it still worth it at that higher price? Uh, and so the flip side of that yeah. is a limit sell. You want to go into that one? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the opposite. Um, you decide what the price is you are willing to sell for. So um, if a price, if you set a price, um, say, uh, you know, the stock's at $100 and you set a sell for 105 as soon as it hits 105 it's going to sell however many shares you want. If it never hits 105 you will never sell. Uh, but that's good if you are want to lock in a certain amount of profit or... You're not in a in a big rush to sell it, but you would be willing to for, you know, a certain return, a certain profit. Yeah, I would say again, this is usually you're gonna have some sort of specific strategy in mind when you're using this. So maybe you you wanna sell half of the shares you own of a stock when it hits a certain price. You know, maybe maybe that's locking in profit, you're covering your entry price, and you're gonna see if the rest grows a little bit or you like the stock but you think at a certain price it would be overvalued mm-hmm. and so you say okay if, if it gets that high i think it's going to fall back down again before it keeps climbing so i'm going to set a limit sell order at this higher price and my the strategy you have in mind is that it hits that price sells you get some profit and maybe you're planning to buy back in when it falls to a lower price. Yeah, or you just leave somebody else holding the high price when it falls back again. And right. You yeah. Your there's. Money. There's. <laughs> and I only give a couple examples there just to show. Usually, you want to know why you're placing the limit order. Mm-hmm. You should have some type of strategy in mind. So when you place the limit order, because it's not going to get executed in that second. You'll need to decide how long am I willing to leave this order out there. You'll see two options, good till canceled, or that usually shows as GTC, or uh, day. Good till canceled is not, oh, it's not forever. It's usually only about three months. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little bit of a misnomer because it's not actually good till canceled or I guess it is good till canceled, but they are going to automatically cancel it after 90 days. Yeah. Like if this thing does not reach this limit price within three months, um, we're going to assume you don't want to keep going with it. You'll have to re you know, put it back in again. after 90 days. Uh, and then there's the day, which is a little bit safer, I think, because then you're not dealing with the overnight. Um, but if you, you know, set a price and you're willing to wait, 
for a while to see if it ever gets down to, you know, if I, I say the stock's at 150, if it ever gets down to 100 within the next few months, I'll take some. You could do that. And Yeah, and, and I would say that would likely be in a scenario where the order is being placed on a blue chip stock. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know that if it gets below that price, you're kind of playing a, a cyclical trend you know it's going to you think it's going to trend downwards a little bit if it if that happens i'm confident it's going to go up again in the future <laughs> that's so a good I'm point fine. you don't want something that's just on a exactly a yeah full decline yeah you wouldn't want to place a good to canceled for on a very volatile stock that you're just trying to kind of flip in the short term because it could just be you know you forget it's open or something like that and it's just the company falls apart and the stock collapses and you're, you know, you're catching a falling knife. You, on the way you down. picked it up on the way down. Yeah. Yeah. So That's again, it's point. sort of one of the, it's, it's, um, if you're looking for a specific entry point to a more reputable stock, um, the 90 day good to cancel might be a more attractive option. But if you're, um, you know, if you're day trading, you're trying to do a short term swing trade on something that moves a little more often, or maybe it's a little riskier. The day only probably. Yeah, you let sense. it. You let the order die at the end of the day, and then if you want to, you put it back in. Yeah, and that ties day. in. Part of that risk is because of the fact that, like we were talking about with the market orders, prices can move after hours. Mm-hmm. And so, if there's some really bad, really good news that totally turns your strategy upside down between the market closing and opening. You're, and you leave your limit order open, this this good till canceled 90-day limit order, um, it could get executed way below or way above the limit you set. That's a good transition into stop orders, I think, which is a way to avoid some of that. Yeah, it, the they are basically a combination of limit orders and market orders that try to give you some additional options for mitigating risk. Yeah. Uh, you want to start with the stop loss? Sure. So a, a stop loss is a form of a market order, but it only triggers at a certain price. So it doesn't go into effect immediately. And you can say, for example, you take uh, the stock that you're interested in, you set the stop loss sell order at $45 per share. As soon as that price reached $45, a market order would be placed. And regardless of what happened with the price from that moment forward, you would sell at the next available price. Yeah. So this is good if you are not checking your app every day. Like if you're not logging into it all the time, um, you have the example of like going on vacation or something, right? If you're not a day trader or you're just somebody who wants to, um, set it and forget it a little bit and but not have to worry about taking a huge loss um yeah you put this in and it's a little insurance policy for yourself yep this is when for whatever reason exiting the position is of utmost importance you know for some reason that overrides any other potential for maximizing maximizing gains minimizing losses you're not going to have the flexibility to micromanage it so whatever that criteria is you're protecting yourself because getting out of closing the position is going to be the most important thing to do so there's a little risk there um if you had something that crashed overnight 
and opened up, you know, a lot lower than it was the night before, and it passed by your uh, stop loss number, it's going to sell for that current market price. So this is going to execute as a market order, whatever the price it can unload it at. Somebody's not willing to pay what you set that number at, then too bad. It's gonna it's yeah. gonna get executed. Yeah. So to give some example there again, using that forty five dollar per share number I was using, say that was where your stop loss was set. You close at fifty dollars. Some bad news comes out before the market opens, and it opens at thirty dollars. You are immediately going to sell that stop loss order is going to trigger and sell for thirty, but the Stock might rebound and climb back up to 40, could even reach its previous prices. It was sort of a, you know, the, the market over the long term achieves some type of equilibrium, but in the short term can be irrational. And so you might get stuck selling at a significantly lower price when at the end of the next day, it's higher than your stop loss was. That would be so sad, but it happens. There's an there's a way to there's an insurance policy for your insurance policy, which is the stop limit order. In a stop limit order, it does not execute at the current market price once it hits your stop price. All right. Well, I, yeah. The biggest difference, right, is that you set two prices in the stop limit. Yeah, you get to pick the stop price, like the same you do in the stop loss, but you have to pick a limit price the least you're willing to sell for, right? So if it gets to that limit price, it will sell. But if it goes much lower below that, you're willing to hang on to it to not risk selling for, you know, selling for a loss or selling way below uh, what you actually wanted to lock in as profit. Yeah, so that really protects you in that scenario i just gave where there's sort of a flash crash and the stock price recovers the next day following up on that say you set your stop price still at 40 dollars, just like we we had in the previous example but you might set your limit price at 35 dollars. and if the, the stock is is dropping so quickly or it happens out of hours and it opens at 30 dollars, your limit order is still placed but it's not going to execute because you're below your limit price. Yep. The stock would need to get back up to that $40 amount to actually trigger and sell. That's you saying, you know, I'll sell it if it drops, but not, not I'm not taking that big of a hit. I'll, you know, I'll pick a price and yeah, if it hits that, that's fine. I'll sell it. But if it goes too far below that, I'd rather just wait it out. Uh, because that could be hurting whatever your strategy is. If your strategy is to lock in a certain profit percentage, um, yeah. you could risk that. And I think the um, the strategies behind when you would use either of those can get very complicated and can make it seem like more of a complex differentiating or can make it seem like more of a complex difference between the two. Mm-hmm. For me, I think the easiest way to, to think about it, a stop loss is setting a market order in advance at a specific price and a stop limit is setting a limit order in advance at a certain price. 
Yeah. So you're you're ba- like stop loss at a certain price, place a market order, a stop limit at a certain price, set this limit order. It executes for you when you're not on, you know, you're you're doing exactly. your normal job or on vacation or something. Yeah. So as long as you understand the difference between a market order and a limit order, you also understand the difference between a stop loss order and a stop limit order. Um, obviously, getting into the strategies and and when to use them is much more complicated. But you at least have those base building blocks of what what these different order types mean. Yeah. So when you hit that drop down, now you'll know what am I actually trying to do? Do I want to buy it right now? At whatever price it is, do I want to buy it for a certain price? So hopefully now you have a better sense and feel a little more confident when you're making those trades. Got got in the recording booth, laid down what we wanted. Yeah. We can wrap it up. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Let us know if you have any, I don't know, fun experiences with you know buying something for way less or, or selling something for way more when it hits a limit or something like that. All right. Um, thanks everybody for listening and we will see you on the next episode you've been listening to the more sense than dollars podcast 